I'm ready to read. So, this is the first episode that we've recorded together since Thanksgiving, and you haven't made it out alive. Thanksgiving episode, we talked about, like, if I would stab you over food. Technically, we recorded this before, so we don't really know now, do we? This could be a cover-up. Let's even see if I'm there on Thanksgiving. I might just oh. not even show up. I know. Like, what am I going to do if you don't come? You won't have anybody to talk to? Yeah, my husband's going to be paired up with our brother. So you're saying you only like me? I mean, I don't like you, but I tolerate you more. What Look, do you want me to quit this time or you want me to refire you? Refire or refire? Just- no, I just rehired you. Do you want me to refire you? Are we going to do like the Shakita tape? Fire hire. I quit. Okay, see you in the morning. So, you know how I like a good meme, right? Oh, yeah. Love some good memes. So, this one says, I think it's cute that we're all pretending like things will be back to normal on January 1st, 2021. I love that for us. <laughs> I mean... What? New year, new life, right? New lockdown. Are they... That wouldn't happen until the end of January. That will be Jumanji next level. You know, because it's the next year. Because we're now on Jumanji level 12, and now we're about to go to the next... The next, next. We're about to go to... The Hunger Games. It's going to be a Hunger Games if... If we go hungry because everything's locked down. Gets crazy again because um we have nothing in our fridge. Nothing in our pantry. And the rate that our power... I mean, not that like we don't pay our power bill. It's with the storms and knocking out our power. Like this year we have lost power just because yeah. of storms at least three times. Well, you can thank Jumanji for that. I know, but it's like tornadoes and hurricanes. That's pretty sad considering that's like one of my favorite movies. Today's episode is brought to you by Naked Nutrition. Naked provides you with pure protein powders and supplements to help you meet your nutrition and fitness goals. Naked is completely transparent about their ingredients. That way you know exactly what is going into your body. No additives mean your body is getting more of what it needs. And I suggest that you go check out the peanut butter powder. Girl is loving her some peanut butter shakers right now. And right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase at NakedNutrients.com by using our code POD. That's 10% off using our code POD for first-time customers. Take your nutrition to the next level with Naked Nutrition. So, is this going to put me to sleep like the one that you were reading to me on the way back from Oklahoma? No, this one's kind of interesting. 
It was a joke, you know, because I'm all snuggled up. Yeah. This one, I'm not going to lie. I, like, was doing YouTube research on Amy Bryant, the one that we did last week, I think, on our Patreon page. Legit last week or like Ford and last week? Our last week and then a couple weeks ago when this comes out. It's a doozy. Like, I was just like, oh. Oh. So, just buckle up. Hold on to your butt cheeks because it's a a good one. Instead of my butt cheeks. Can I hold on to my face cheeks? Yeah, just hold on to them cheeks because you're going to be like, what the crap? So here is a 911 clip. October 8, 2010, three men carrying guns entered the house in Unionville neighborhood in Markham, Ontario. Ontario. Remember whenever I did a story there and you kept correcting me, guess what? So one guy pointed his gun at Vic, and Vic is the wife, okay? Let me just tell you how I'm going to do this story. So, I'm going to tell you what happened that night. I'm going to tell you about the family. And then the conviction. So, we're going to kind of like go back and forth type thing. Okay. You get what I'm saying? Hold on to my cheeks. Hold on to them cheeks. Let's let's just say I'm glad it's not a paranormal one with my phone acting stupid. 
So one guy pointed his gun to Bick, which is the wife. One shoved a gun in Han's face, which is the father of the girl that did the 911 call, yelling at him to get out of bed and come downstairs. Another confronted Jennifer outside her bedroom door. He also took Jennifer downstairs. While they were all in the living room, the intruder kept yelling, where's the money? Jennifer took them throughout the house, giving them whatever money she could find. She went into her room and she gave the guys $2,500 in cash that she's earned from working. Her mom had money in the nightstand and there was roughly like $1,100. And then like just throughout the house, like she was just collecting money. So she went into the kitchen. First of all, who just has cash like that laying around? That was money either going to their vacation or coming from their vacation. And then with Jennifer, that was just money she earned because she was a piano teacher. So she was just getting paid cash. Gotcha. She went into the kitchen and searched for her mom's wallet. Vic asked Han, how did these people enter our house? He replied, I don't know. I was sleeping. One of the intruders yelled at Han again, saying, where's the money? Han said that he had $60 in his wallet. Okay. I'm she not getting that out. She got $60 in her. Go get it. So Han said that he had $60 in his wallet, and the guy said, liar. I'd be like, excuse me? <laughs> I only got $60. If somebody, like, came and broke in my house, hold on. I got my wallet right here. I'll tell you. I feel like I'm I'd be like, got some change? Like some some jingle change? I ain't got no dollar bills. I got 28 cents. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be like, lie, but like, no, really. I only got 28 cents. Look, now you're going to be getting Patreons to donate a dollar <laughs> to you because they feel bad for you this time. It ain't me anymore. I'm like, seriously, I only have 28 cents. Don't judge. The intruder called him a liar and then pistol whipped him. What does that mean? He had a pistol and he just whipped him he across just, the face? We're going to say That's my father's button. pistol and he just across the back of his head. Instead of so what I was thinking. Head. He just, like, whipped him with a pistol. Yeah. Because it says it in the Britney one, too. Vic began to cry and pleaded with the men, do not hurt my daughter. One of the intruders replied, rest assured, she is nice and will not be hurt. If somebody told me that about my kid, I would assume, like, not that they're going to kill her, that probably worse things was going to be happening. You know what I'm saying? Like, if somebody, like, I just, I just envision it being, like, in this, like. Snooty, snarky, sarcastic point. Yeah, like, oh, she's nice. No harm's gonna come to her, you know? Well, I wouldn't take, I don't know, I wouldn't really take it to that because she's the one that took them to the thousands of dollars. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, we only got $60. Me trying to find the good in people. <laughs> I'm trying to make this story not as bad. Jennifer was led upstairs where one guy tied her hands together, then tied her arm to the banister. While the other two guys took Bick and Han to the basement, covered their heads with blanket, then shot Han twice, once oh, in the yeah. shoulder, once in the face. 
He crumbled to the floor. Then they shot Vic three times in the head, killing her instantly. Then they fled through the front door. Jennifer somehow managed to reach for her phone tucked in her waistband of her pants and call 911. But this is a transcript that a news article had. So we're going to read that. What's your name? My name is Jennifer. Someone broke in? Someone broke in and I heard a shot like pop. I don't know what happened. I'm tied upstairs. Did it sound like gunshots? I don't know what a gunshot sounds like. I just heard a pop. Okay, my dad went outside screaming. Do you think your mom is downstairs too? I don't hear her anymore. Please hurry. I don't know what's happening. Ma'am, ma'am, ma'am. I don't know where my parents are. And about 30 seconds into the call, a unexpected event happened. And you can hear it in the clip that we played in the beginning. Pan wakes up and starts moaning. He's covered in blood. He sees that his wife is dead. He crawls upstairs and just heads for the door, like beeline and out the door. Jennifer Wait, he got shot in the face, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Jennifer yells at her father that she's calling 911 and Pan stumbles outside screaming. A neighbor who was leaving for work was in his driveway when he saw Han running out the house. The neighbor was unaware what the heck was going on and calls 911. Like he sees this guy who's like probably covered in blood. What would you do? I feel like I would probably poop my pants if I seen... <laughs> Somebody is that gonna be the caption? Oh my gosh, I'd poop my pants. <laughs> I mean, granted, I do leave late at night for work, so if I went outside my house and a neighbor that we don't really have close by comes running out their house covered in blood with a bullet wound from their shoulder and then their face, I feel like I would poop my pants. I throw up. I don't. I have a weak stomach. I throw up. I bet. I mean, like I would like my butt cheeks would pucker up, but I would probably not know what to do. That's why you have word diarrhea, and I just have word vomit. A police and ambulance arrived on the scene like minutes later. Han was rushed to a nearby hospital, then airlifted to Sunnybrook. The York Regional Police Department interviewed Jennifer around 3 a.m. She told them that the man entered her house looking for money, tied her up to the banisters, and took her parents down to the basement and shot them. Hey, at least they were honest and they didn't hurt her. They just tied her up. Yeah. See, Uh, and I was thinking that was like they weren't going to kill her, and you were thinking like the worst. So continue, because I don't know how the rest goes. I said, hold them cheeks, you let, you're letting them go. Mm-hmm. Two days later, the police brought her back in again to give another statement. During this interview, she was, you know, they basically, they called her in, because I watch all the interviews. That's what I watch. It's like a clip of her interviews, and then them talking about the cases, what I watched originally. So, 
the second time they called her in, they were like, okay, I know you've already told us the story. That's great. Close your eyes. Try to, you know, kind of like what they do, like, see if you remember something that you didn't remember from the get-go. And so she, like, you know, walks them through everything, and she's, like, talking to them, and they're like, okay, you know, you were tied to the banister. Show us how you were tied, because she was tied with shoestring. So, like, it was too tight where, like, whenever the officers came to rescue her, they had to, like, cut it with a knife. So it wasn't, like, easy to untie type thing. So they're like, you was, you know, kind of tied tightly to the banister. How did you call 911? Like, just show us. So, you know, she, like, showed them how she was, like, twisted. And she's like, I reached here and pulled it out. And then she, you know, showed how she did the handbags. And they're like, okay. So they, you know, they're just curious how she did it. So, anyways, let me just go ahead and say, whenever they were, like, talking to her, they were like, you know, did you put it up to your face? And she's like, no, I had to put it on speaker because her hands are way down here, you know, mm-hmm. giving you all the details. By November 12th, Han woke up from a three-day induced coma. He had a broken bone near his eye where the bullet fragments was still lodged in his face that the doctors could not remove. Ooh. And let me tell you, Tamara, he remembered everything that happened that night. Like, if I was shot in the face, I don't think I would want to remember anything. Yeah, but also it's going to help get people caught. True that it does. So it sucks that it's in your memory forever, but at the same point... At least you can kind of help out. Mm-hmm. But this, he barely, just like barely by a smidge, like made it through this because the bullet just grazed carotid artery. A little bit, a little bit to the left or a little bit to the right, he could have been a goner. He would have bled out. Mm-hmm. So like, Jesus was looking after him. But let me tell you about the family real quick, okay? This is where we go, like, back to the beginning. The Pan family, they were your classic Canada immigrant. So Han moved to Canada in 1979, and Bic moved afterwards. They had two kids, Jennifer, who was born in 1986, and then they had their son, Felix, three years later. The two had a job working at a automotive part. Manufacturer? Yeah, manufacturer. I was like, I can't think of that word. Say it. Where hand worked doing tools and the die maker, which I don't know what that means. Like, is it like doing the die that's on the tools? I don't know. Or it's like, I don't know. And then Bic made car parts. They lived a very, very frugal lifestyle for years. And then in 2004, when Bic and Han saved up enough money, they bought a large home with a two-car garage on a quiet street. It was like a little, a Chinese neighborhood. And then they bought a Mercedes-Benz for him. And then... His wife got a Lexus, and then they had a nice, nice chunk of change. 
Mm. Like for them to be frugal, they had some money. The expectations for their children, Jennifer and Felix, was to work hard as their parents did to, you know, just do better than they did. They laid down the foundation, the groundwork. They just needed to improve from there. They had Jennifer in piano classes by the age four by elementary school. She done ragged up a trophy case full of awards. She was also into figure skating. Some school nights while she was still in elementary school, she would come home from practice at 10 p.m. and do her schoolwork until about midnight, then head to bed. I'm like, oh, no. Mm-mm, no. She we're working way after midnight. Yeah, but we're not in elementary school. We're trying to get an education. True that. She hoped to one day compete at the national level and then go to the 2010 Winter Olympics. That was until she tore a ligament in her knee. And I'm like, oh, that just thinking of that makes me cringe. Yeah. At her eighth grade graduation, Jennifer expected to be valedictorian. You were nowhere near close, so you wouldn't know how to say it. (laughs) So she was expecting to be that, collect tons of medals for all her great achievements, but she didn't receive nothing, and she was shocked. The pressure of her getting good grades and competing was so intense, she began cutting herself on the arm. Tamara, when I say that I couldn't find much about Felix the son, I truly meant it. Like Where if, was he during all this? Well, I'm about to tell you that. Oh. Um, like, okay. if, if they would have, they could have left him out, and I would have never known that they had a son. Like, it was just like. Nothing. Nothing. Like, nothing. You you could know everything about everybody else in the family and the cousins and uncles and stuff. I guess it's for his safety. But the brother was just like. No, thank you. So, I truly, I found a little bit, but not a lot. And I think the reason why I couldn't find a lot about Felix is he was sent to a private school to do his studies where Jennifer was at a public school. Like, I don't really understand why they sent the son to private and the daughter to public. I don't, I don't know, but yeah. So, he lived about 30 minutes away from home when he was attending college. He was studying to be a mechanical engineer. His dad wanted him to follow him in his footsteps with the mechanic, but Han did not want him to build a car. He wanted him to design the car. And Han was the type of father who was like, I'm going to choose kind of the career that you're going to go in type father and so he was just like my son I want him to do this and so his kids followed in the footsteps of what he said to do so he was pressured into doing well in his studies so he did not take part in any other activities like his sister did where Jennifer did you know the piano she did figure skating and a few other things like he just mainly focused on school and studying Well, the Pan children were not able to date. 
they were not able to have friends of the opposite sex because their parents believed that this might distract them from their studies. So Felix did much better than his older sister in school. In fact, Jennifer was not getting straight A's like her parents wanted. Jennifer was more of your C average student. Jennifer makes me think of you when you was in elementary school, Tamara. Signing mama's name. <laughs> she was forging her report cards. Look, mama thought it was funny. She thought I was helping her out. I mean, your <laughs> son did it in kindergarten. I was in fifth grade. He didn't do it for the correct day. Like, it was on, like, day, like, four, and he did it on the very last day, okay? He just wrote L. Look. <laughs> Look, I put it on the right day. With some water. I just messed up and whited it out. <laughs> and redone it. Jennifer? I mean, I was in fifth grade. I thought, hey, there's water. You're not going to be able to see it. And then the teacher's like, why would your mom white out her name and rewrite it? I'm like, probably because she wrote it sloppy. And they're like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> You're going to go to jail. Do you know how many times I write stuff and then I trash it because it looks sloppy? <laughs> I mean, I didn't know. On this package, I legit wrote the name five times before I was just like, eh, that one looks good enough to keep. I'm that person. So maybe mama was too, and that's why she had winded it out. She was not satisfied with how I had written her name. <laughs> but the funny thing is, even though I was in fifth grade, mama said my, sig my signature of her name was prettier than how she wrote. And I'm like, I don't think so, but okay. That's like one of those things where you think everybody else's signature and writing looks better than yours, and you're like, oh, no. Yeah, my, my handwriting sucks, I think. So, Jennifer was not only faking her report card. She was also dating a guy that she, I don't want to say she met, but they like started while she was on a field trip in freaking Europe. In fifth grade? I mean, in elementary? No, I'm thinking it was like high school, middle school, because they were in the band. So it was mm -hmm. like a band field trip. But now I'm just like, uh, if I got to go to Europe, sign me up for band. I will be a band nerd. But instead, you were just a regular nerd just a regular nerd so they went to europe to like perform at something or another jennifer had a panic attack and this guy named daniel helped calm her down she said that she couldn't help but feel drawn to him because he showed her all this attention all this affection and he didn't have to and she basically implied that daniel saved her life School became less important to Jennifer, and she began to become just a little bit obsessed with Daniel and the way that he just made her feel. Because you got to think, like, she's not been able to have a friend of the opposite sex. She's not been able to have her boyfriend. So 
she's kind of feeling a little, a little special because she's got a boyfriend. She loved talking to him, texting him. She even loved to hear him breathe. Jag. And I'm like, girl was just head over heels in love. Well, Jennifer continues to doctor her report cards throughout high school, and she receives a early acceptance to Ryerson University. But when she failed calculus her senior year, she was not able to graduate, and the university was just like, no, girl, not coming here. And they withdrew her offer. Desperate to keep her parents from looking into, you know, her records, she lied and said that she was starting Ryerson in the fall. So, girl didn't graduate high school and somehow, like, skimmed through that without her parents catching. Girl starts college. Her plan was to do two years of science, then transfer into a pharmacology program where her father wanted her to become a pharmacist. So, Han was very happy with his daughter. He bought her a laptop. Jennifer bought used biology books and just any book that she thought she was going to need for Ryerson, she bought. And she bought other school supplies. In September, she pretended to attend Welcome Week. When it came to tuition, she told her father, and she doctored up this paper, stating that she was going to receive an OSAP loan and convinced her dad that she won a $3,000 scholarship so he would not have to pay a dime. Yeah, because chick ain't going to school. So she would pack up her book bag, take the bus. This sounds like me my senior year. She would pack up her books, <laughs> head to like she was going to school, but head somewhere else. <laughs> Jennifer would go to the library. No, like, you would not go to the I library. I would not go to the library, no. So she would go to the library. She would research on the web for anything she thought that would be related to the classes that she was taking. And she would just fill her notebooks up with just random notes, random this like classwork. Too much. Like, too much. She did not want to disappoint her parents. So she spent all her free time in this cafe visiting Daniel at York University where he was going to school. She picked up a few shifts at Eastside Mario where she was a server. She taught piano lessons and then she later worked at a bar at Boston Pizza where Daniel worked as the kitchen manager. At home, Han often would ask Jennifer about her studies, but her mom would be like, no, don't bother her, let her be, you know, just kind of like, just let her do her own thing. Her father should have been a little bit like, let me see them notebooks, let me see what you're doing, let me see your grades. So, she's in college, I mean, it's kind of like, you ain't paying a dime, so what does it matter? In order for her to keep up with her double life and it not to come unraveled, Jennifer would also have to lie to her friends too. She told one of her friends that her dad hired a private investigator to follow her. Like, why would your dad hire a PI? Like, why? Mm -hmm. 
gonna be crazy. After Jennifer had pretended to be enrolled in Ryerson for two years, Han asked her if she was still planning on switching to U of T, which is the University of Toronto. When she oh. <laughs> I was thinking University of Tennessee, and I'm like, come on, girl. The University of Toronto. So she said yes, and then she was, she said yes, and I've been accepted into the pharmacology program. And let me tell you, that she program was not... is a little tough to get into. What was you going to say? And she was not accepted. <laughs> no, she was. She still ain't even graduated high school yet. She ain't about to be going to be a pharmacist. I have a better shot of going to be a pharmacist than she does right now at this moment, okay? Well. I'm, I'm a couple steps ahead of her. So her parents... Barely graduated high school. <laughs> you do have some pharmacy lessons, so... Absolutely. Her parents were so thrilled. Jennifer suggested that she move in with her friend Topaz that... You know, because she lived closer to the school. It'd be, a, you know, a little bit easier of a commute. Let's see. Da, 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 da. She was going to stay with Topaz three nights of the week. Her dad did not think it was such a good idea. But her mom kind of was like, you know, she's in college. She's making straight A's. She's about to. <laughs> yeah. She's about to, you know, like go to pharmacy school, like. It's okay, you know, like, it's going to be easier for her to study and keep going on if she lives a bit, a little bit closer to campus. Allegedly. Allegedly. So, she does so. Well, after two more years, it was time for Jennifer to graduate U of T. And Jennifer and Daniel hire someone they found online to create a fake transcript of all A's. Well, when it comes to the graduating or graduation ceremony, she told her parents that the class was a little large and they didn't have enough seats. It's like, sorry, I don't have a seat for you. So students were only allowed to have one guest each and she just couldn't choose between her mom or dad. So she said that she just gave her ticket to a friend because, you know, she couldn't pick one of her parents. It's like... I love y'all so much. I'm just going to give it to my friend so she can see me graduate. Jennifer developed a mental strategy to deal with all her lies. She just thought of herself as an, a third person. That's how she just kept everything situated. So, while she was supposed to like a psycho person, then I know. So, while she was supposed to be studying at UFT, this is a little bit before she graduated, she told her parents that she was volunteering at a protesting lab at Sick Kids. And I don't know if this is, like, part of her hours for school. Like, you know, you have to volunteer and get so many, like, hours. Or if she was doing this out of the goodness of her heart type of thing. But... She told her parents that her volunteering work would sometimes re require late night shifts on the weekends. And so she suggested that she stayed at her friend Topaz's 
house more often during the week. Her parents noted something was a little off. Something's not right. Jennifer does not have a uniform. Jennifer doesn't have a key card for the hospital. And so the next day, her father insisted, let me drop you off at the hospital. Let, let me take you instead of you taking the bus. They get out, or she gets out, and her dad turns to her mom and says, follow her. Jennifer goes into the hospital and then realizes she's being followed by her mom. So what is the next best thing you do when you're supposedly volunteering and you're not really? You hide in the ER waiting room for about three, four hours until your parents are gone. That is what you do. How does that help anything? Like, <laughs> like if she's being followed, what, her mom's going to just see her in the ER for three hours? Then what? I don't know. Say what? Oh, they didn't need me today. I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't. Why even, like, come up with the idea of, like, oh, yeah, I'm volunteering when you're not really volunteering? Why, why even mention that? Like, I don't, I don't know. So, early the next morning, her parents call Topaz. And Topaz was not afraid to tell the truth. She said, Jennifer wasn't here. Jennifer hasn't been staying here. And when Jennifer finally came home, her dad confronted her and all her lies and about her whereabouts. Okay, so you know, it's like this girl's like in her 20s and she's getting like, You went where? With who? Mm-hmm. For real. Her dad be asking all them questions. <laughs> Making statements. Assume. So basically... Old Jennifer was like, oh, snap, I'm busted. So she confessed to her parents that she didn't volunteer at Sick Kids, that she wasn't a student at U of T, and that she's been staying with her boyfriend, Daniel. What? But Jennifer forgot to add, you know, that she never graduated high school, and that she never really attended Ryer either, you know. We're just going to confess to the stuff that you actually know right now that I'm getting busted for. Other than that. So her mom was in tears. Her dad was beyond pissed. And her dad told Jennifer to get out and don't ever come back. But her mom convinced him to let the daughter stay. They took her cell phone and her laptop for two weeks. After which she was only permitted to use them with her parents' permission and they had like little every once in a while like, oh, let me see who you messaging. Let me let me check what you're doing. You're in your twenties, but yeah. And they forbidden, forbidden her from seeing and talking to Daniel. They ordered her to quit all of her jobs except for teaching piano, and they began tracking her. Um, um, the mileage on a car, basically. The a meter. A meter. A meter. But they started tracking like her miles, and it's like, okay, you tutor. Then she started driving backwards. 
she go reverse room room everywhere she go. She get that backup camera. She be on the she be on the interstate going backwards and reverse so her mileage don't go up. She said, "You see me on the highway, just run right another way." Beep beep. There's your caption. Driving in reverse on the highway. Beep beep. It's between that and the I poop my pants. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you probably poo your pants if somebody's driving reverse on the interstate. That's you anyway. see, like, you driving and you just see a reverse car coming towards you. Or you driving up and you just see a car, like, facing you. You poo your pants. No, thank you. Jennifer was madly in love with Daniel, and for two weeks, she was housebound with her mother on her side constantly. Though... Her mother, I feel like this would kind of be me, would every once in a while be like, Jennifer, your dad needs your phone here. Leave Jennifer messages. And would, you know, like, let her check her phone randomly. I feel like that would be me. Like, Anthony would take Bray's phone, and I'm like, Bray, there you go. Why would she maybe check her phone? Like, what, what does it matter? So she could just keep in contact with her friends? I guess. I mean, she's 20-something. So, in February of 2009, she wrote on her Facebook page, living in my house is like living under house arrest. She also posted a note, no one person knows everything about me. No two people put together know everything about me. I like to be a mystery. Over the spring and summer, she snuck calls with Daniel on her cell phone at night and whispered in the dark. Eventually, she was able to get some freedom when she was able to take a course for calculus because her parents finally figured out that she needed a calculus course so she could graduate high school. And I don't understand, and maybe one of our Canada listeners can like, message us on Facebook or message us on Instagram like or email or whatever yeah however you want to message us if you fail and you wait like 10 something years or whatever amount of years can you just like go take that class and get your high school diploma wouldn't wouldn't it be just like going to go get your GED and you can go 10 years later and just you just need the math credit I don't know. Like, I didn't get my GED. I don't know. See, like, I thought with GEDs, like, you had to take, like, the full GED course. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Like, how I took it is, like, she just needed this, and then, I mean, I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how GEDs work. I luckily got my high school diploma. I don't even know how I did that. But you just no certificate they handed you? It was legit. That I had to bust my butt. Once I started going back to school. Like the last month or two. Well, it's like I skipped the first two months. And then whenever I started going back. Then I had two scheduled surgeries in October. So it's like I legit missed August, September. Most of October. Went back for November, December. (laughs) And then had to really work from January to March. (laughs) Yes. Whatever. Yes. Yes, so luckily I like 
I did it, but whoo! <laughs> you had your tonsils removed and what else? Wisdom teeth? Wisdom. Mm. It was like a week apart from each other. Oh, gosh. Mm -hmm. When she's starting to feel better, then they like torture you again. So anyways, I lost my spot. Okay. She, you know, took her course for calculus so she can finally get her high school credits. And then she, you know, she does what she does and she disobeys her parents by seeing her boo-thang in between piano lessons. So, one night she arranged her blankets and pillows to look like she was asleep, and she snuck out to Daniel's house. But she forgot that she took her mom's wallet, so the next morning, her mom goes into her room to get her wallet and discovers Jeffrey's not there. <laughs> Why would she have her wallet? Like, what what reason would she need her wallet if she ain't going nowhere? I don't know. Like, I don't know if it was something like she. I don't. I don't know if like she ran an errand for her mom or and had her card or she was buying something online. Who knows? But she had her wallet for something. Her mom goes in her room to get her wallet and she found some pillows. She found some pillows in the shape of what should be a body. Bick and Han ordered Jennifer to come home immediately. They demanded her that she's going to college. It's like, you're going to college. You're getting your life straight. Like, yeah, you're acting foolish. You're not acting like your brother. Get your life together. So they're like, this is where I'm just like, what the heck? You make me feel like I'm not that good of a person. But they're like, you can go to be a Pharmacy tech. Or a nurse. Or a nurse. It's like, you can't be a doctor because you're like, oh, blood. So she didn't want to be that. So her dad was like, okay, well, you can be a pharmacist. Well, now well, nurses still see blood? Huh? And nurses still see blood? Yeah. I, I don't really know that one. So it's just like whenever they realize all the shenanigans that their daughter did and how bad she's doing at school, it's like, hmm, well, you're never going to be a pharmacist now. You can just be a pharmacist tech. Good job. So go on with yourself, Mr. Han. So she was told she had to cut off all communications, nothing, like could not see, could not talk, could not do nothing with her boo thing. So Jennifer was 24 at the time. Still sneaking around, and she was not willing to like leave her parents' house either because you know they kind of gave her an ultimatum like, either you can be with your boyfriend, but you're cut off from the family. Like, I don't know, I don't want to say they're like, oh, we'll disown you, but it's just like you're not gonna live here or get allowance. Yeah, it's like you either go to school and live here, or you get out and you can live with your boo thing. So, she wanted to stay at home. So, Daniel eventually told her, it's like, mm, your parents don't want us to be together. You don't want to leave your house. You don't have your life situated. So, we're breaking up. And Jennifer was heartbroken. Shortly after, she learned Daniel has a new girlfriend named Christine. Uh -oh. 
Jennifer was not willing to lose her first love, she comes up with this bizarre lie that's going to win back her man. So, she told Daniel some man knocked on her door with a flashlight and what looked like a police badge. She opened the door, a group of men rushed in, gang raped her in the foyer of the house. Then a few days later, she received a bullet in the mailbox, she claimed. And this was a warning from Christine to leave Daniel alone. So this is what she's schemed up in her head that she's going to tell Daniel to win him back, okay? Oh my gosh, she's just jinxing herself. We're going to like flash forward a little bit. So in spring of 2010... Jennifer reconnects with this guy named Andrew. He's a friend from elementary school, but, you know, she was supposed to have friends of opposite sides. So, according to Jennifer, he was bragging about how he robbed some people at knife point at a park near his house. Jennifer told him about her torturous relationship with her dad, and Andrew confessed to her that he once thought about killing his own dad. Oh, my gosh. And he introduced Jennifer to his roommate, Ricardo Duncan. So, they hatched a plan for Ricardo to murder her father in a parking lot at his work. She would give him $15,000. They agreed to connect later by phone arrangements of a date and a time for the hit. But Ricardo stopped answering her calls. By early July, Jennifer realized that she's been ripped off. So, at some point, Daniel and Jennifer were back in contact with each other, exchanging flirty texts. Daniel gave Jennifer a spare iPhone and Sims card, so that way they can, like, communicate without her parents seeing the messages and her getting in trouble. So... 24 years old. (laughs) Yeah. So, cops are like, we don't believe Jennifer is a suspect. We don't believe Felix is a suspect, but we're just gonna we're gonna watch the two at their mother's funeral. So cops were there to pay their respects and to watch how the children. So, like I said earlier in the episode on November twelfth, Han woke up and told cops everything. Camera, this is where you need to hold on to your to your cheeks. Because you're about to be like, oh, snap. He tells them everything, which includes seeing his daughter chatting softly like a friend to one of the intruders. He said her arms were never tied behind her back while she was being led around the house. On November 22nd, police brought Jennifer in for her third interview. This one was developed a little different. Because the detective said he knew at this point she was involved in the crime. He knew she had lied to him. And it was in her best interest if she fessed up. Jennifer hunched over and sobbed and said repeatedly, But what happens to me? For over nearly four hours, Jennifer came up with different lies not get in trouble. One of her great lies that she just came up with on a whim was this was all an elaborate plan for me to commit suicide 
but it went horribly wrong. She said, I have given up on life, and I couldn't manage to kill myself. So I hired Homeboy, who I really don't know what his name is. I just know of him as Homeboy, to kill her. In September, her relationship with her father suddenly improved, and she decided to call off the hit. But somehow, the wires got crossed, and the men ended up killing my parents instead of me. Like, they killed oh, the wrong okay. people. So, police arrest Jennifer on the spot in the spring of 2011. They relied on phone calls and texts. We're going to kind of like go through some of the text messages that they got that led to her being busted. So, Daniel gave Jennifer an acquaintance of his name and contact information. It was Linford Crawford, and he was homeboy. Jennifer asked homeboy, what's your going rate for a contract kill? That was in a text message? Yes. Yeah, she's going to get busted. What is your going rate? And homeboy said... $20,000. But for a friend of Daniel's, it could be done for 10000 Oh, look at that friends and family discount. <laughs> That's a lot of money discount. That's half. That's $10,000 discount. I ain't trying to go to jail for the rest of my life for $10,000. So, Jennifer was, like, super careful. She would use the iPhone that Daniel gave her only for crime-related conversations. Yeah, let's keep that all together. Nobody knows about this cell phone. So, let's just keep all the crime conversation on it. So, and her Samsung phone that her parents had that gave her, that was just for everything else. So, on Halloween night, Lefford visited the Pan's neighborhood. And he was, like, scouting out the area. You know, Halloween night, kids running everywhere. He's able to kind of, like, do his thing, scope out the neighborhood without looking totally suspicious. So, on the afternoon of November 2nd, day Linford texts Jennifer, I need a time of completion. Think about it. Jennifer wrote back, today's not a good day. Dinner plans going out, so won't be home in time. Over the following week, there were a bunch of different texts, a bunch of different phone conversations between Jennifer Daniel and Lefford. And on the morning of November 8th, Lefford texts Jennifer saying after work, it will be game time. Daniel's friends, David, Eric, and Linford, were charged, well, all of them basically were charged with this, but all of them were charged with first-degree murder and attempted murder and conspiracy of committing murder. Daniel, David, and Linford each received the same sentence. Eric's lawyer fell sick during the trial, so his was postponed to early 2016. The judge granted two different non-communication orders. One banned the communication for the five defendants and then until Eric's trial was over. And then the other banned, and I was just like, what? was between Jennifer and her family. And this prevented Jennifer forever for 
like ever and ever. Like she can never speak to her father or her brother. Wow. And her lawyer addressed in court saying Jennifer is open to any communications with her family if they ever want to. Han and Felix both wrote victim impact statements. And this is basically kind of like a mosh posh of what Han said. So he said, when I lost my wife, I lost my daughter at the same time. I don't feel like I had a family anymore. Someone said I should feel lucky to be alive. I feel like I'm dead too. He is unable to work due to the injuries. He suffers anxiety attacks, insomnia, and he he can't sleep due to nightmares. He's in constant pain. He gave up gardening. He gave up working on cars. Give it up. He gave up listening to music since none of these activities bring him joy anymore. He can't bear to be in his house, so he lives with relatives nearby. Felix moved to the East Coast to find work with a private technology company to escape the stigma of being a member of the Pan family. He suffers from depression and has became closed off. Han is desperate to sell the family home, but no one will buy it. And the reason why nobody buys it is because they live in, like I said, the Chinese community. And apparently if a murder happens, it's very, like, superstitious, like, bad juju, nobody buys that type of thing. Well, yeah. Well, I feel like some people in the true crime community is like, ooh, murder house, let's buy it. Well, I guess more if it's, like, a serial killer type thing. Um, so, let's see, da-da-da, but nobody will buy it. At the end of his statement, Han addressed Jennifer. He said, I hope my daughter Jennifer thinks about what has happened to her family and becomes a good, honest person someday. Jennifer, David, Daniel, and Lefford plan to appeal. Presumably, they lose. They will be eligible. They will be up for parole. They will be eligible. We're just going to say they will be up for parole. Presuming they lose, they will be up for parole in 2035. Jennifer will be 49 and Daniel will be 50. Wow. Did you think at the beginning that homegirl done had her parents killed? No. Not with that call. Me neither. I was like, whew. And then to find out she didn't graduate high school and she was forging some, like, college transcripts and then going to school and making up stupid notes. I was like, what? I done held onto my cheeks and lost my phone, so no dumb dumb for you. I found it. <laughs> you know what's crazy? Like, as soon as I get to sleep here in a little bit, Every time to wake up. Now Anthony's alarm is going to be going off. <laughs> this one's a you one. Camera's doing a Leslie version. You know. ready? I'm ready. All right. So, this Florida man was arrested after stealing a butt plug because he was too <laughs> embarrassed to buy it. <laughs> Wait, 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 wait. 
So he was seen shoving the item down his khaki shorts when Masters attempted to leave the store. Security immediately caught him. The total cost of the product he attempted to sell came up to $29.98. So he got arrested for $30. That's funny. And what's really hilarious, it's like you find this story and you do it. And I'm about to show you something that work gave us. Or I got it this week when I went back. But I sent Anthony this picture, and I'm like, what is this? He's like, a button a pen? Huh? A what? I said a pen. No, it's it's like a weapon, like a self-defense thing. It's so, like, I've been making jokes, and everybody at work telling them, I'm like, ooh, I'm going to use my butt plug on a customer. <laughs> oh, gosh. I thought it was, like, one of them pens that you wouldn't have to touch the screen no, I mean, I guess you can use it for that, but like if, I mean, it probably has multiple things, but like if, if needed, it could be a weapon. Apparently a pen, what is it called, a stylus, a butt yeah. plug, a weapon. <laughs> yeah. And my manager, the one that like gave them out, she's like, because somebody said, you know what Leslie's been saying about this? And she's like, what? She's like, the butt plug, she's like, the heroin advisor to us. No, 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 no. I just said it looks like one. Don't have no, one. your Don't husband did. Well, I'm just saying, yeah, How's your husband now. He probably has got one stuck up his butt right now. <laughs> tell him to get, his, I'm, I'm gonna tell him to get his butt plug pulled out his butt so he'll start being nice because he chose us. I didn't choose him. TikTok the other day and he like he, he like sent it to me in the TikTok messenger and he's like have you been on TikTok today? I'm like no because every once in a while I'll get on TikTok and he's I don't like, even have a TikTok he's like go check your messages and so I click on it and it said this is me and your sister <laughs> and then I play it and it's just like I didn't choose you you chose to be in this family and it's like, so. what do you think? I'm going to be like, her? <laughs> no. I'm like, this world can't handle two Leslie's anyway. Oh, gosh, no. We're like Sour Patch Kids. You the sour and I'm the sweet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll go with that one. So, they can find us on Facebook. Are you there? It's because my internet's unstable. We gotta hurry this up. Okay. Repeat it again real quick. Okay. You can find us on Facebook at TCWI Discussion Group. At Instagram on TCWI underscore podcast underscore. If you love us so much, check us out on our Patreon, which is Patreon backslash the crimes we're into or go to our webpage which is the crimes we're into.com and click on the link there and so the fact that it's so late i quit until next week <laughs> deuces people Bye.